check, check, yeah. You guys all heard that sound? That's the sound of our budget right there. So if anybody can buy us a mic cord, that would be awesome. That's what we got to work with right there. It's like, don't throw that away, man. It doesn't work all the time. It works some of the time. Just hang on to it. It's all right. Kind of like us, right? We don't work all the time. Just some of the time, but... Would you guys read this scripture with me? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today and forgive us our sins. Oh, you don't have the words up there to read with me. I'm sorry. We're waiting for, we're waiting. That's the sound of our budget again right there. There we go. All right. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today and forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For the last month and a half or so, we have been talking at great lengths about this situation that we find all of ourselves facing. The situation that I'm talking about is the fact that everywhere we look, everywhere we um, open our eyes and open our ears, we become aware, if we're looking for and listening for, two distinctly different kingdoms that are at work. We have on the side, you can see this banner hanging, the kingdom of light. God's kingdom, the kingdom that is full of everything that represents God and his goodness and his majesty. Over here we see the kingdom of darkness and everything evil and everything destructive and everything that you look at in your life and you go, that is dark, that is, that is black, that is, that is destructive in nature. And right in the middle of these two kingdoms, light and darkness, right in the middle we find you and, our, and myself. We're smack dab in the middle of these two kingdoms that are very active, that are always doing things, that are very much focused on you and me. They are very interested in your day-to-day life, believe it or not. Both of these kingdoms are very focused on who you are and on what you do. The kingdom of darkness wants nothing more than to keep you far from the kingdom of light. And we have learned through extensive study and going through scripture after scripture that everything about the kingdom of light is focused upon us connecting with God and being rescued from the kingdom of darkness. A few weeks ago, we talked about this concept of temptation. We talked about the story in the Bible where Satan and, and, and Jesus literally had a face-to-face encounter where Jesus had gone out into the wilderness where nobody was, and for 40 days he didn't eat or drink anything. And Satan came and tempted him during this period of time. And during this interaction, we learned as we read Scripture that Satan was really at his core trying to get Jesus to do the very same thing that Satan tries to get you and I to do all the time, and that is to make something other than God the ultimate in our life to make something other than God the focus of our worship, to make something other than God the thing that we look to to give us identity and satisfaction and the things in life that we think make us happy. 
He doesn't have to do something that's blatantly demonic or destructive. All he has to do is get us to believe the subtle lie that money will make you happy and get you to turn your focus from the kingdom of light and onto the pursuit of something other. And he's one. To get you to turn your pursuit to a person, a relationship, a situation. To get you to turn your, your attention toward something other than what God is and what God has for us. And when he does that, the kingdom of darkness is slowly luring us away. So tonight we're going to look at one of the ways, as we've looked at several, but one of the ways that God has not only just made provision and a way to keep this from happening, but that God had a plan that completely blows away anything that Satan had going for him. In the, in the Bible, in the book of Luke, it says in verse 14, this is a story of Jesus coming out of that moment when he was tempted by Satan. He goes and gets tempted, and as soon as that temptation is over, we pick up in the story in verse 14, and it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. He goes out and gets tempted, and as soon as he leaves that that interaction with Satan, that temptation moment, the Bible says he's filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Soon, Jesus became well-known throughout the surrounding country. He taught in their synagogues, and was praised by everyone. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll containing the messages of Isaiah the prophet were handed to him and unrolled the scroll to the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. And then Jesus said these words, This scripture has come true today before your very eyes. This moment, when Jesus goes into this church and Jesus unrolls the scripture and Jesus begins to read from it, the passage of scripture that he reads from, you have to understand what it meant to them and to their culture. This was a prophecy that from the time that they were born and raised in the Jewish tradition, that they looked at the moment when this prophecy would come true. Why? Because these were people who were very familiar with being oppressed. These were a a group of people that were very familiar with being taken away from their homeland, put into captivity, and become slaves of somebody else. They knew what it was like to be beat down. They knew what it was like for somebody to abuse them. They saw injustice right in front of their face all day long. They knew what it was, and so they pinned their hope on this prophecy that someday the Messiah would come and set them free. That someday someone would come and be their liberator. That someone someday would come and give them a better life. Now you and I sit here tonight, and if we're honest with ourselves, we have been through many situations where we too have felt the pain of injustice in our life 
where we too have been through situations that we wish somebody would rescue us from. We've been raised in families where alcoholism was rampant and the words that were spoken in drunken rages damaged our souls to the point to where we didn't even know who we really were. Some of us in this room have been violated sexually in ways that should never, ever even be thought of, yet alone done. And we sit here today thinking, I wish someone could have rescued me. Some of us in this room battle with addiction so heavy and so hard that we can barely get through the day without taking something to try to change our situation, to try to make our life feel different than what our reality really is. And we say, somebody has got to rescue me because if they don't, I will never make it. I will never survive. And when Jesus stands up and he reads this, this passage of scripture to these people, the very thing that they were dying to get, the very thing that they were looking for was standing right in front of them when he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled right in front of you. But they couldn't 